Chapter Thirteen of On the Trail of the Space Pirates. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Chenevere. On the Trail of the Space Pirates by Carrie Rockwell. Chapter Thirteen. Any report from the search quadrants yet, Steve? asked Commander Walters. No, sir, replied Captain Strong. We're concentrating on the asteroid belt, but so far we've drawn a blank. Well, keep trying, and let me know the minute something turns up, said Walters. Yes, sir, said Strong, saluting his commanding officer, as the elder spaceman left the room. He turned back to a large desk in the center of the room, where Roger Manning was busy noting figures on a large chart, showing the areas already covered and listing the squadrons engaged in the search. As Strong leaned over his shoulder, Roger placed a finger on the chart. Squadron 10 has just completed a search of all asteroids in their assigned area, he said, and then added laconically, Nothing. Strong studied the chart for a moment. Well, we'll have to keep it up, he said. It's the only way we'll find them. A systematic search of the belt from one end to the other. He paused and then muttered, Only one thing I'm worried about. What's that, sir? asked Roger. That when we do find them, it'll be too late to help Tom. You really think he's aboard Coxine's ship, Captain Strong? Couldn't be anywhere else, answered Strong. And he'll be trying to signal us. You can bet on that. Keep me posted on all radar contacts made by the search squadrons. I want a continuous six-way radar sweep by every ship. Yes, sir, said Roger. One more thing, said Strong. Tell Astro to get the Polaris ready to blast off, and you make sure your radar bridge is in A-1 condition. Are we blasting off, sir? asked Roger. Every ship we can get into space will give us a better chance of finding Coxine and his crew. Now that we've got the search fully underway, there's no need to hang around here any longer. Glad to hear it, sir, replied Roger. I was getting a little itchy to hunt for those crawlers myself, and Astro can hardly keep still. Strong smiled. Don't worry, we'll find Tom, he said. Wherever he is, you can bet he's taking care of himself and doing a good job for the Solar Guard. Roger's eyes twinkled. Oh, I wasn't worried about Tom, as I was Astro, sir. He'll be pretty mad if there isn't anything left of Coxine to pay him back for slugging him. Strong rubbed his head and said grimly, Astro's not the only one. The blond-haired cadet left the room, and Strong wearily turned back to study the chart of the search in the asteroid belt. Immediately upon arrival at the Space Academy two days before, Strong had been placed in charge of the search by Commander Walters. The attack on the prison asteroid and the escape of the prisoners had created the biggest sensation in his life. From one end of the Solar Alliance to the other, the visa-news and the stereos were full of the attack and escape details, with Strong's name appearing often in the headlines and news flashes. To search the asteroid belt had been his suggestion, and while he could offer no proof, he believed the attacking ship had been commanded by Wallace and Sims. Speaking only to Commander Walters, 
Strong had received permission to combine the search for Wallace and Sims with the new hunt for Coxine. Strong was convinced that Coxine was behind the activity of Wallace and Sims from the beginning of the Solar Exposition to the present. Strong looked at his watch. It was past midnight. He flipped a switch and paged Lieutenant Moore on the central communicators. In a few minutes the young officer appeared and saluted smartly. "'Take over here, Moore,' said Strong. "'I'm going to sack in for a little rest and then take the Polaris out. I'll be in constant contact with you and will direct search operations from the Polaris. You stand by here and relay all reports. We'll use code VISTA for all contacts.' "'Yes, sir,' said Moore. "'Shall I work up charts like that one?' He pointed to the chart left by Roger. "'Statistics here at the Academy will handle that,' replied Strong. "'Just shoot the information down to them as you receive it. And you'd better get someone else up here to help you. You'll be here a long time.' Moore saluted, and Strong walked wearily from the room. "'There wasn't any need for cleverness now,' thought the Solar Guard captain. When we catch Coxine, he'll fight, and when he fights, that will be the end of him. He went to his quarters, and in thirty seconds was asleep. Radar bridge to control deck, a voice crackled over the intercom aboard the newly manned pirate ship Avenger. Hello, control deck, come in. Yeah, roared Bull Coxine. What do you want? Picked up a blip on the radar, Captain, replied the radar officer. Looks to me like the jetliner from Mars to Venus. Relay the pickup to the control deck scanner and let me take a look at it, ordered Coxine. In a moment the big pirate was studying the scanner carefully. Wallace and Sims stood to one side. Coxine turned and looked at them with a hard glint in his eyes. That's the jetliner, all right. He rubbed the palms of his huge hands together and smiled thinly. It looks like we're in business. Wallace stepped forward. You mean you're going to— I'll tell you what I mean, snapped Coxine, when I want you to know it. He turned to the intercom and began to bawl orders into the microphone. All hands stand by your stations for attack. There was an answering roar of approval from the crew. We're making our first strike, you space crawlers. A jetliner from Mars to Venus. There'll be lots of fancy things aboard her. Things the Solar Guard wouldn't give you on the rock. There was another roar over the loudspeaker. But the first man that takes anything but what I tell him will find himself on the wrong end of two big fists. We're closing in, Captain, interrupted the voice from the radar bridge. The angle of approach is in our favor. I don't think they've seen us yet. Keep watching her, Joe, replied Coxine, and turned to his two henchmen on the control deck. You, Wallace, take number one jet boat. Russell, Stevens, Atardi, and Harris. Each man will take a parallel ray pistol and rifle. Report to your boat when I give the order. There was a pause as the men named scurried to their stations. Coxine continued. The following men will come with me in boat number two. Shelley, Martin, and the Space Kid. The rest of you man the forward and aft blasters. 
but no one fires until Lieutenant Sims gives the order. He turned to Sims and stared at the man coldly. I'll be in contact with you all the time. You'll fire when I say to fire, and not before. Is that clear? Sims nodded. Range 50,000 yards to liner, Captain, reported the radar bridge. I think she's sighted us. Forward, Tarrant, roared Coxine. Put a blast across her bow just to show how friendly we are. Aye, aye, sir, acknowledged a voice from the gun turret. In the turret, Tom listened to the orders to attack the helpless spaceship with mounting anxiety. If he could only plant the signal on the Avenger before going to the liner, he might be able to remain aboard the passenger ship and escape. He was interrupted in his thoughts by a rough voice in back of him. "'Hey, kid! Space kid!' yelled Galliard, the commander of the gun turret. "'Come on! You heard the orders, didn't you? Get me the range!' "'Right away,' answered Tom. He stepped to the rangefinder, quickly figured the speed of the jetliner, their own speed and the angle of approach. Racking them up on the electronic tracker, he turned back to Galliard. "'Let her go!' "'Fire!' There was a thunderous noise, and the Avenger rocked gently in recoil from the heavy blast. Tom quickly sighted on the rangefinder, and saw a ball of light flash brilliantly in front of the passenger ship. He breathed a sigh of relief. He had to keep up his avowed reputation of being a crack marksman, and at the same time could not damage the unarmed passenger ship. The shot had been perfect. "'Good shooting, kid,' roared Coxine from the control deck. "'Thanks, Skipper,' said Tom, aware that he had not called Coxine captain, but knowing that his earlier speech to the giant pirate had earned him a certain amount of respect. Coxine quickly made contact with the captain of the liner on the teleceiver, and the outraged captain's face sharpened into focus on the screen aboard the Avenger. "'By the craters of Luna!' exploded the skipper of the passenger ship. "'What's the meaning of this? There are women and children aboard this vessel.' Coxine smiled thinly. "'My name's Bull Coxine, master of the vessel Avenger. One funny move out of you, and I'll blast your ship into protons. Stand by for a porting party.' "'Captain! Captain!' The radar operator's voice screamed over the control deck loudspeaker. They're trying to send out a signal to the Solar Guard. They are, huh? roared Coxine. Forward turret, check in. Turret, aye, reported Tom. He had been left alone while Galliard issued small arms to the boarding parties. Listen, kid, roared Coxine. You said you're a good shot. Right now is the time to prove it. Blast away her audio antenna. Tom gulped. At a range of fifty thousand yards, the antenna, a thick piece of steel cable, might as well have been a needle to hit. Right, Skipper, he finally replied. I'll show you some of the fanciest shooting you'll ever see in your life. He turned back to the rangefinder, his mind racing like a calculating machine. 
He figured the angles of the two ships, considering that the jetliner was a dead ship in space, and the Avenger still underway, but slowing down at a specific rate of deceleration. He rechecked his figure a third and fourth time, correcting his calculations each time with the forward movement of the Avenger. If he misjudged a fraction of a degree, he might kill or injure hundreds of people aboard the passenger vessel. "'Well?' roared Coxine. "'Are you going to fire or not?' "'Coming right up, Skipper,' shouted Tom. "'Watch this!' Stealing himself, lest he should hit the ill-fated ship, he fired. For a brief moment he felt sick, and then heard the roar of the pirate captain from the control deck. "'By the rings of Saturn!' roared Coxine. "'That was the best shot I've ever seen. Well done, kid. All right, boarding crews, man your boats and stand by to blast off.' While Coxine vocally lashed the members of the murderous crew into action, Tom tried to figure out some way to get to the radar deck unseen. Being assigned to the jet boat with Coxine instead of Wallace, had been a lucky break, and Tom wished for a little more of the same. Lining up with his boarding crew, he received his paralo-ray pistol and rifle from Galliard, deftly stealing a second pistol while the gunnery officer's back was turned. After hurriedly hiding the stolen gun, he slipped stealthily topside to the radar bridge. Reaching the hatch, he was about to open it when he heard footsteps. He turned and saw a man walking toward him. It was Sims. "'Where in the blasted universe is the jet-boat deck?' snarled Tom. He dropped his rifle on the deck and bent over to pick it up, hiding his face. "'You're on the wrong deck,' said Sims. Two decks below. Get moving.' The pirate lieutenant hardly gave the cadet a glance as he brushed past and entered the radar bridge. Tom caught a fleeting glimpse of the interior. His heart jumped. The bridge was exactly like the one on the Polaris. Though annoyed that his chance had slipped past, Tom was thankful to learn that the communications equipment was thoroughly familiar. "'Space Kid! Report to the jet-boat deck on the double!' Coxine's voice rumbled through the empty passageway. Tom dashed down the nearest ladder, and hurried to the jet-boat deck, where the pirate captain waited impatiently. "'I was checking the range and setting up to blast the liner in case they try anything funny,' explained Tom. "'I don't trust anyone on that range-finder but me.' Coxine chuckled. <laughs> "'Good work, kid. I like a man that thinks ahead. Maybe I made the wrong man, gunnery chief.' He climbed into the jet-boat. "'All right. Take the controls, kid.' Shelley and Martin, get in the stern. The men climbed in, and Tom slid under the controls and waited for the order to blast off. Wallace and his crew were on the opposite side of the ship, so Tom had no fear of being recognized until they were all on the passenger ship. At his side, Coxine spoke to Wallace in the other jet boat over the audioceiver. We'll split up. I'll handle the control deck, and you go aft to the supply lockers. Dump everything out in space, and we can pick it up later. Search the passengers, but no rough stuff. The first man that puts his hands on anyone will never know what hit him. 
Tom listened to the pirate captain's orders, and was forced to give the man credit for his tight control over his murderous crew. However rebellious he might be against the Solar Guard, and whatever it was that made the man become the system's most notorious criminal, his orders spoke for themselves. "'All right, kid,' roared Coxine. "'Blast off!' Tom pressed the control pedal at his foot, and the small ship shot out into the black void of space. Ahead of them, thousands of yards away, he could see the gleaming passenger ship. In a few moments the two jet boats were breaking their jets and drifting to a stop inside the catapult deck of the luxurious liner. Almost before Tom had stopped the small craft, Coxine was out of the boat, waving his paralo ray pistols at a cluster of frightened merchant seamen. "'Back inside,' he snarled. "'Kid, Shelley, cover me. We're going to the control deck. Martin, you stay here with the jet boat.' Coxine marched straight through the ship, head up, eyes straight ahead, while behind him Tom and Shelley swept the luxurious lounges with their ray rifles, ready to fire on any who dared resist. They marched past the frightened passengers, climbed a flight of carpeted stairs to the next deck, and entered the control room. The liner's captain, a tall, thin man with graying hair, stood waiting beside the control panel, his eyes flashing angrily. A half-dozen junior officers stood stiffly in back of him. Coxine stepped up to the elderly officer and laughed good-naturedly. <laughs> no one will be hurt, Skipper. I just want a few things for my men. He paused and glanced at the ship's fault. And whatever you have in there. I'll live to see the day when you're caught and sent to the prison asteroid for this, snorted the captain. "'Don't make me laugh, Skipper,' said Coxine lightly. "'The Solar Guard will have to build a new one for me. I don't think there's much left of the old one.' "'Then it was you. You're responsible for the attack on the asteroid.' Coxine just smiled and turned to Tom and Shelley. "'Watch these crawlers closely now. I'm going to open the vault.' Tom stared at the ship's officers hoping to catch the eye of one of them, but they were all watching Coxine. The pirate captain pulled a thin rod about two feet long with a switch on one end from his jacket. He walked to the solid titanium door of the vault and inserted the rod into a small hole, pressing the switch at the end of the rod carefully several times. He stepped back and inserted it in another hole in the face of the door, and repeated the procedure. Putting the key back in his jacket, he grabbed the handle of the massive door. It swung open at his touch. The captain of the liner and officers gasped in amazement. Working quickly, Coxine crammed the thick bundles of credit notes and passengers' valuables into a bag. At last he straightened up, and facing the unbelieving officer again, he tossed them a mocking salute. He nodded to Tom and Shelley and walked out of the control room without another word. Shelley and Tom quickly followed the giant spaceman back to the jet boat deck, where Wallace was just returning from his own operations. Wallace made a circle out of his fingers to Coxine, and the giant pirate nodded. "'Let's get out of here,' he ordered. 
"'Aren't you afraid they'll try to stop you, Skipper?' asked Tom. Coxine laughed. "'Just let them try. I never met a man yet that had the nerve to pull the trigger of a Paralo ray gun while my back was turned.' Tom gulped and wondered if he would have the nerve to fire on the spaceman. He thought about it a moment, and decided that he would take any chance that came along if he could outwit the criminal. When the time came, he would risk his life to stop Coxine. End of chapter 13